to the podcast. My name is Paul Bernard. I'm your host today for The Simple Church. We are in part two of the identity problem. Last week we talked about performance-driven identities and how that's a counterfeit identity. And we're just going to keep diving into these different identities over the next few weeks. So I hope that you will join us and invite others to do so as well. Now, one of the things I hate about podcasts, and if I listen to a podcast, one of the things that I don't like is all the small talk at the beginning. So that's why in our podcast, we try our best to just dive straight in. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Okay. So here we go. In order to begin this week's identity problem and solution, we first need to talk about something that determines where these identities come from. Where do they originate? We don't just one day get up and say, you know what, I'm going to be this type of person, or I'm going to be that type of person. We are formed, right? And this is how this works, and I want to explain that to you for a few minutes, okay? All of us, every single one of us has a spirit. This spirit, or you might call it a soul, is referred to in the Bible, a lot of times you've heard it called the heart, right? You've asked Jesus to take over your heart, right? He's not literally taking over the organ that circulates blood throughout your body, right? Or maybe you have heard it said like this, that you're asking Jesus into your heart. And when the Bible talks about the heart, it's referring to the core of who you are. It's asking Christ to take over the core and to change it. Our core or our spirit is formed as we live our life. An example of this is found in your perspective of life or how you see things. And I want you to remember this state. Experience always dictates perspective. Your experiences in life have an effect on how you view things. Your parents, being alcoholics, would give you one or two perspectives. Either alcohol destroys your life, and that's your opinion, because your parents were alcoholics, or the other, and this happens many, many times, you become an alcoholic like your parents. This can happen in anything, how you deal with money, how you deal with relationships, marriage, raising kids, all of these different things. And that's why in marriage counseling, I always talk to couples about their different perspectives or different cultures that they come from. Why? Because that dictates who they are. And when you put two of those things together, we call that the marriage war, okay? And we're trying to create a brand new culture. In the Bible, a lot of people talk about this like a generational curse. You might have heard that before. And what I believe a generational curse is, and I'm happy to be wrong about this, but I think it's the negative experiences growing up or as we've lived our early life that dictates our perspective which in turn controls how we respond to experiences. Like you, it's how you were raised. It's, it's how you were brought up. It's, it's those influences in your life. Now, this whole process is known as spiritual formation. And we're still being formed in our spirit or core presently and will always be formed in the future. As we live our life, we are forming different things. Now, Everybody has a spiritual formation. I don't care if you're a believer, you have faith in Christ, you're a different religion or no religion at all, you still have a spiritual formation. And that is this 
core that has been developed of who you are and your identity over a period of time of being influenced. Okay. When we choose to follow Christ or have faith in Christ, our spirit in no certain terms is hijacked, right? By God's Holy Spirit. And his spirit begins to change us at our core to be more like him. And so you might have heard this called sanctification. And this is the process in which God transforms us to his likeness and the likeness of his son. In other words, our current spirit that has formed over our life is now being taken over by a Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is changing us or sanctifying us to become more like him. And though God is rectifying our spiritual formation through this sanctification process, we still have baggage, right? Things that are in our past and in our psyche that we need to be aware of. You see, the changing of our spirit is sometimes subtle and simple. But in many cases, these changes require deeper and more painful unpacking of a baggage in our past in order for us to heal from it and become more like Christ. And I want to revert back to um, the podcast uh, of confession and, and how that heals us. And that's basically just bringing something to the forefront that we've hidden deep within us. And it's kind of the same thought process here. We become more like Christ when we face some of these changes and allow him to change us. Because of our history and our experiences as a person, Knowing these hurts and past influences will help our spiritual formation towards Christ. And this is a factor in all of the counterfeit identities that we're discussing, especially today's. Today's counterfeit identity is widely known as approval-driven, or maybe you've heard it called people-pleasing. And this is very common to many Christians and people who are not of faith alike. I mean, This is a very common counterfeit identity. Why? Because of all the dysfunction, and we're going to talk about that. Our spiritual formation holds the cards in dealing with this issue. This one many times comes as a result of dysfunction within our early life, and it closely resembles, and you need to pay attention to this, it closely resembles performance-driven. This is what we talked about last week in that it's based on other people's view of us, but this one has an extreme need to control other people's feelings in order to have the feelings we desire. All right, so let's talk about approval-driven. Let's drive in, people-pleasers. Approval-driven people are normally feelers to an extreme, right? They, they operate out of feelings, and because they do this, they have a heightened sensitivity to all the people that are around them. They can walk in a room and pretty much tell who's in a bad mood, who's in a good mood, who is happy, who is not happy, and they immediately try to shift the room to make everybody happy. And and that is exhausting, and I'm going to talk about that as well. But our job as approval-driven people is to make others happy in order to make us happy. Thus, we win their approval, and all is well. We have pleased the people. We ask questions. Are you happy? Did I do good? Do you approve? Now, I know there's a lot of people within the sound of my voice that can resonate with this. And people have even told you you're a people pleaser. You can't say no to anybody. You'll do anything for anybody. Why? Because you want people to be happy. Why? 
because their happiness always dictates your happiness. If somebody's not happy with you, then you are not a happy person. You care what other people think to an extreme, okay? And so let's talk about what causes this. And there's a few reasons that I want to talk about this. And the first one is the fighting family. So if you had a miserable family life that you somehow got the responsibility of mending, like maybe your parents are all the time fighting and you're trying to find peace in a frightening environment as a kid. And and if you're a kid and you've had, you know, battling parents, then you know what this feeling looks like, right? It's just very extremely stressful. And this trauma, a lot of time causes us to learn what triggers those fights. And, and we ensure that those triggers are not around, right? It's our job. We just take that a job. Making everybody happy was our job. And so because of that, we learn to control the room. We learn how to um, speak to people in certain ways. We learn how to control the situation so that it is not dramatic for us or traumatic for us. And so if you grew up in a home like that, there's a pretty good chance that you are an approval-driven person in your identity, this counterfeit identity, okay? And the second one is this, and, and I know a lot of you are probably going to get a kick out of this, but my, me and my brother were talking, and, and um, this is something that we recognize in some people, is drama, trauma. If you've ever been heavily influenced by someone who has to be in drama all the time, something has to be wrong, they have to be a victim, the whole world is always horrible, then you more than likely advertently became a fixer, right? Because you needed to fix that person's happiness. And the more you do this, and, and this is what I want to talk to you about, about the fighting family and the drama trauma, is the more this happens in your life and the more frequently this took place earlier in your life, the more it cemented itself inside you to become that fixer, to become someone who makes everybody happy. Being a fixer pleases everyone, and they know you as that person. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a test here, and this is an example. If you are somebody that the drama trauma or miserable fighting family calls first, you are most definitely who they consider to be the fixer. And more than likely, you've done this to escape your own trauma. So you kind of see how all of this goes with the root cause of it is their dysfunction in life caused you to function in a different way to rectify it. And so this is how you became this person, right? You learned how to make people happy. You learned how to please people so that it would not cause you pain when they weren't happy or stress. Okay. So there's some problems with this and I want to dive into these problems head first and why this is not a good thing. I know that there are several people out there that just claim to be a people pleaser and accept it and just move on, and, but it's very bad for you, and it's especially bad for your spiritual formation if God is trying to take over your spirit, and he is cleansing you, washing you in the blood of the Lamb. If, he, if he's doing what he is supposed to do, then it makes it very difficult to remain in a people-pleasing place and find peace with God. So the first thing that I want to talk about, one of the problems, is this thing called isolation. When you are an approval-driven person or a people-pleaser, it's a lot of work. 
people are around you. You sense everything all the time, and it, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to always have to fix people's problems or deal with those problems in order for your own happiness. Now, there's nothing wrong with you giving people advice. There's nothing wrong with you walking with someone through a traumatic incident, tragedy, or just a bad time. It's when you have that motivation of this is going to be make me happy and I'm not going to be happy until that person is fine, that's people-pleasing. And so because this is so tiring and exhausting, we have a very, very good chance at isolation. We want to be alone. We don't want to be with people. We don't want to be around people. Um, we're not even introverts. We're, we might actually be an extrovert. But the people around us exhaust us. Why? Because we're constantly trying to control and fix the triggers in the room that cause people to be unhappy. And because of that, we get tired and we want to just be away from people. Now, I'm not even going to tell you what isolation does uh, when it comes to relationships and how you are formed spiritually because we are wired for relationships. And so you're going to be miserable in isolation, even though it gives you a temporary relief. Isolation is a dangerous thing. And a lot of people go to very, very bad mental places strictly from isolation. We have to have interaction with people. That's part of life. That is the way God wired us to find happiness and peace. It takes other people in our life. The second problem is that you will not have an identity of your own. I think this goes without saying, and I also think that it's one of the same things performance-driven uh, situations do. But you, your identity is based on other people's feelings. It's based on other people's happiness. It's based on other people's goals, and you will not have an identity of your own, okay? And God does not want that. God created you with a special purpose. You are a special child to him. He knows every hair on your head. He loves you so much that even if you were the only person on the planet, he would have sent his son to die on a cross for you. Okay, so you need to know that identity. And when you are a people pleaser and you can't say no ever, then what's happening is your identity is based on other people. Okay, it's based on their emotions, not your own emotions. And the third problem with people pleasing, and probably this is one of the best, is that you just can't. All right, it's, it's just that simple. You cannot please people. You can't please everybody all the time. You can't even please everybody half of the time. So you're, you're, you're fighting in this process that never has an end, never has a win, never has a victory, but you're still going because you're in certain situations where you feel the need to make people happy and they feel the need to make uh, for you to make them happy. You're their crutch, okay? And so this is a bad deal and it's a bad problem. And I know that there are people listening right now that can relate to some of the things I'm talking about. And maybe you've identified this in yourself. So let's talk about some solutions because that's one of the things we always do here is not just talk about the problem, but let's talk about the solutions with us and how this affects us as a church, as a gathering body of Christ. Okay. So Acts tells a great story about Peter and John when they were arrested. Okay, and Acts chapter 5, verse 25 says this, And someone came and told them, Look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Now, these, somebody was ratting out the apostles to the Pharisees or the council. And in verse 26, it says, Then the captain with the officers went and brought them. 
not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them. And in verse 28, it says what the high priest told them. He's saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, of course, they're talking about Jesus and, and that Peter and John are constantly talking about how to, you know, get saved, the, the true gospel that Jesus is the only way. And the Jewish people did not like this, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because it went against what they had always been taught. Plus, it damaged their stature. Okay, but in this situation, you can kind of see Peter and John in a situation where they have a choice. And their choice is, do I want to please the people in the room? Do I want to make everybody happy or do I want to please God? And I love verse 29 because that's when you get your answer. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So what solutions Peter gives us in this when it comes to being approval-driven and people-pleaser is that we've got to figure out who we're trying to please first. And I know it goes without saying, if you're a Christian, this is not something that's new to you or it's not something that is, you know, fresh. You know you're supposed to please God and you know you're not supposed to please men, okay? But instead, you're supposed to please God. And when this takes place in our life and we're trying to please God rather than man, it causes us to find an inner peace about our identity. Why? Because that puts our identity in God, not in the opinions of other people. So we have this biblical example. So here are some practical ways that you can learn to get closer to God, to, to, to form your identity in him and take your identity back from all the people that are giving you this counterfeit identity of approval driven. Number one, go backwards to go forwards. I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but you need a state of awareness. You need to understand that your life as a child, a teenager, growing up, young adult, whatever that was or whatever you are in your life, did affect you. It did form who you are. And you got to go back and be aware that you were in a dysfunctional situation. If you weren't, maybe that's great. Don't worry about it. But if you were, you've got to address it. You've got to learn to heal. You've got to learn to unpack this with somebody, somebody in your life that's, that's walking with you. Sometimes you've got to go backwards in order to go forwards, and that's a very difficult thing to do. But sometimes you've just got to go back and think, what happened to me in my life that caused me to want to fix everybody and everything? Second thing is this, and this is a pretty easy one, but it's very difficult for approval-driven people, and that's practice saying no. This is something that is literally going to have to be intentional with you. You are going to have to find areas in your life when you can tell people no. And you're going to have to feel that tension. You're going to have to feel that uncomfortableness that it's going to cause you um, simply because you told somebody no. Because people pleasing, saying no is not an option. You want to do what everybody wants. I've got a buddy of mine that asked me to do things with him several times a year, month, whatever it might be. And sometimes I can't 
But I always have this unflinching fleshly thing that comes up in me that always wants to tell him yes, no matter what. Okay, why? Because it's in my it's in my genes. It's who I am. It was who I was brought up to be. But I have to practice saying no. And what I found out is, and this is huge, the more I am able to say no, and I'm not telling you to say no to everything. If you want to do something, do it. But if you don't, don't say no just to make the other people happy. Don't say yes, I'm sorry, just to make the other people happy. When you are actually practicing saying no to things that you do not want to do, it does get easier. I promise it gets easier. I'm living example. It gets easier. The more you say no and you figure out the world doesn't stop turning, that people aren't going to leave you, that people aren't going to die from their own unhappiness, you begin to expose all of these lies from the enemy and just go to the truth. And the truth is you're not responsible for that. Then you start to find it. Saying no is not so hard. You stop pleasing people. Okay. And you start to move forward in that path. The next thing is this. Avoid, and I can't say this enough, avoid drama-seeking people. You need to have clear boundaries with people that have constant drama in their life. Why? Because this is not helping you as a natural fixer. You need to avoid these type people. You need to set boundaries. I'm not telling you to write people off, but I am telling you to set boundaries to where they don't affect you negatively. Okay? And so you need to avoid drama-seeking people. And the last one is this, and I really want to hit home on this. So tune in if you've kind of drifted off. You need to go to God on something more than just a surface level approach. You got to find a way to get closer to God. You're not going to be able to sit on a Sunday morning, hear a sermon. that's going to take you and fix you here. You're going to have to go deeper. You're going to have to hunt for something on your own. You're going to have to seek God with everything you have to discover those mysteries that lie just beneath the surface. And you're going to have to have somebody to walk with you through this, to hold you accountable of saying no, hold you accountable of setting up boundaries or dealing with your past. There's so much more to God, guys, than just this surface level we know about him. He wants a personal relationship with you. Now, watch what happens when you create this environment that God is freely moving in your heart and that sanctification process that we talked about in the beginning begins to move freely. That's when you get healed. That's when the true healing takes place, when God begins to take over your core. And you know what? You stop being a person whose core was formed by their past. Start being a person whose core core was formed by the one that is, always has been, and always will be, God. So you've got to go deeper than surface level, though. You've got to seek God as deep as you possibly can to have that personal relationship with him. Guys, listen to me. It's not okay, no matter who you are, to adjust your life, even in a negative way, to please or make people happy with you. You cannot take responsibility 
for other people's happiness. Because when you do that, listen to me, it does two things. It causes you to be unhappy, and it stops them from finding their own happiness. Their job, literally, to to get happiness will be to find you so that you can cause it in their life. You are the one that's taking the brunt of the negative situation for them. You are not responsible for anything other than being obedient to God, getting close to him in that relationship. And if God calls you to walk with somebody, walk with them. No matter how horrible they are, but you cannot do this if that's what makes you determine your happiness. So I want to encourage you. People pleasing and pleasing God, you get to choose. But you can't do both all the time. So just remember that. So thankful you were here today on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Next week, we will continue on with the identity problem. We're going to part three, where we start to talk about relationships that give us value and not the relationship with Jesus. In other words, it might be this crazy, psychotoxic relationship that you're in with a significant other or friendships or whatever that might be that is causing you harm because your identity is wrapped up in them. So we'll talk about that next week. Remember, like, share, do whatever you need to do to get this out. Tell your friends about it. If if it has made an impact in your life, I pray that it, it has and it will make an impact on others. Thank you so much for joining us. I will see you next Monday. And remember, always keep it simple. <music>